Hello, everybody. Josh Davers here. Tonight's Locked On Nationals podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Go check out Built Bar for $10 off on your first order. Use the code LOCKEDON on BuiltBar.com. Good episode coming tonight. couple announcements today of Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman missing the shortened 2020 season due to concerns over COVID for Ryan Zimmerman. Joe Ross yet to explain himself, but we're going to give him some time to do that. We're going to talk about the impacts of these decisions. Good conversation here with Connor. Hope you guys enjoy the show. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nets have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick! with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts of Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals podcast tonight. Josh Neighbors here, your host. Joining me tonight, Connor Jones. Connor, pretty interesting day in, in baseball. I mean, you know, the Washington Nationals, a team that we talk about here, obviously, um, now in the center of the baseball universe because three players have announced that they're not playing in, um, in when this shortened season. Mike Leake was the first, and then we had two Nationals today say they weren't playing. Ryan Zerman being the biggest one of the two. Now, um, Zerman, 35, obviously a massive part of this franchise, massive part of what the Nationals did. The reasons are his family. He's got three young children, including a newborn, a mother who's high risk. Um, and he has decided that he's just not going to play um, in, in this upcoming season. I understand that. For somebody who's accomplished as much as he's accomplished in, uh, and has a family and just kind of the way he's discussed his situation, um, on the surface, I commend him because I'm sure it's a very tough thing for somebody who we know is like a crazy competitor and a, and a leader to not be able to come and help defend this championship the Nationals are going to get a shot to do. So I, I think he deserves to be commended for that and um, commended for his considerations towards his family. Yeah, I think I think his decision obviously makes a lot of sense for a few different reasons. One, you've you mentioned kind of the family situation for him. He if he plays this season, he's probably going to have to kind of stay away from his parents, his mom especially uh, being high risk, and and then with a newborn. Uh, things pretty tough as well so and why he wouldn't want to participate in a shortened season like this with those costs at stake I mean he's somebody that you would have completely understood him retiring from baseball after 2019 now that he has a world series championship all that he's accomplished individually you would kind of you would understand if he wants to hang it up really the only reason for him to keep playing is because he loves the game and loves being part of his teammates and and continuing to to, to be there and play the game he loves. But, you know, at that, at that cost, at some point, it doesn't become worth it for him anymore. So 
completely makes sense. And I think a lot of people, me personally, thinking about it from his shoes would probably make the same decision. Yeah, I, I think it's the decision that's coming from somebody like Zimmerman. We're going to see it more across the league. Um, and, yeah, once again, you got to commend that. And I think one important thing is that he mentioned he's on a one-year, $2 million contract. So if you thought that maybe he was going to play one more and, and then maybe see how he felt at 36 and give it a go the next season, um, I think this is going to be it. Like, he, he said he's not retiring. So you'd think at 36, obviously, it's no service time. So the way I understand it, I could be completely wrong. But this contract is going to move over to 2021, if I'm correct. Um, and he's going to have the same contract. Uh, he is not – I don't – I'm not getting the specifics on this. But it, I, um, they're basically just not going to get paid. So he's saying he's not retiring. Um, but I believe, like, this contract is going to go to 2021. And – that's probably going to be it, right? He may he may want to play again next year in 2021. I don't think he's ruled that out at all. Right. Um, so I mean, no, I no, think what I'm saying is this contract will be it. I'm sorry. Not, not this decision, but this contract, the one year. I mean, he's probably only going to play one more year after setting out this year. Yes. So, I, yeah, I believe, I believe that's correct. I think – I mean, I think that – I wouldn't see him playing in the 2022 season for sure. Right, right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he may never he may never play again. I think that he may he may want to play in 2021, and the team may want to have him back. So I think that I mean, obviously, in in late June of 2020, there's no need to make that a decision or to get that far ahead. So so that's all to be determined in the context of 2020. You with his article uh, with USA Today the other day, you kind of could see the see the signs that he may not be playing in 2020. So it'll be interesting. I mean, he still can hit. We've said that a decent amount of times on this podcast, but it'll be interesting to see where they go kind of trying to replace his offense. Cause they have Howie Kendrick, they have Eric Thames, but they've lost some of that depth and some of that offense and ability, ability to rotate guys in and out. So I think you may see him go try and pick up somebody else and try and fill that void with a, a, a part-time guy, somebody that's willing to do that the same way that Zimmerman would have if he was participating this year. Yeah, and let me clarify really fast. So this is from Mark Zuckerman. I sent you this tweet. One, he says, one technical detail to share. Only high-risk players are allowed to opt out and receive full salary service time and service time accrual. Zerman and Ross declining to, to participate, which is the actual term that he's using. It's in quotes. Will be placed on the restricted list, forfeit their salaries and service time accrual. Somebody asked, so does that mean does Zim's contract roll over next season? No, Zerman said. He would need to negotiate a new contract, which I don't think, see that being too much of a problem. And Ross will still become uh, a free uh, arbitration eligible and have two more years before he can become a free agent. So um, it's a bit confusing. Um, and once again, Zimmerman clarifies that the player must be high risk for them to get paid. So having a child, having a significant other, whatever, does, does not qualify you. So Zimmerman here is going out of his way. I mean, he's made a lot of money in his career. So I, you know, I think $2 million is still a lot of money, but whatever. Um, so, the, I mean, I think the, the fact is Zimmerman is not playing the game for, right. for money at all at this point. So I don't think that that was really much of a consideration at all for yeah. him. And, and we'll get back to Zimmerman. What, what are they going to do about it? Because somebody who is still playing the game for money 
um, Joe Ross, man. I mean, Joe Ross is, is this one was a bit more curious. And look, I, I think I want to say this first. If, if he's concerned about the health issues, I understand. Now, what he could have done with this short stint to get himself in line for a good situation, whether it be an arbitration or just down the line with the franchise in general or as a pitcher, Connor, he is forfeiting a pretty considerable opportunity here at the age of 27. Yeah, I with him, this one to me, I can, I'll just say is far more baffling than mm-hmm. the Zerman situation. And I, and I do say that without knowing, you know, potentially lots of particulars of his personal right. situation. So we don't know that. Um, you know, if you were, if you were looking at it as, you know, Joe Ross's situation and everyone else's situation across the league is as the, is an equal same situation, which is obviously not the case in reality. But if you looked at it that way, then it'd be incredibly confusing to, to try and figure out why Joe Ross is sitting out when the, 99% of guys across the league, it seems like aren't. So, you know, maybe there's something more to that definitely could be um, that explains it for him personally. This was a huge opportunity for him to kind of right. to stick kind of as a major league starter. He struggled immensely as a reliever, but actually over eight starts down the stretch last year, going four and one with 2.75 ERA. I saw that in that same, I think the same mass and article that you were talking about today. I mean, that's, that's numbers that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have even remembered or assumed that Joe Ross put up, which is really good. And I thought that he threw the ball well in game five of the World Series, too, when he had the opportunity, just a couple, couple bad pitches and one that Alvarez snuck over the wall. But overall, I thought he pitched well. So not pitching this year, somebody else, whether it be Austin Voth or Eric Fetty, is going to nail down that job. They have some starting pitchers that are coming up through the ranks. I think Joe Ross is in – is kind of in a really tough spot going forward, at least with this organization, because there's going to be guys that play and, and potentially are going to seize that opportunity that would have been available to them. So, you know, I mean, it's obviously a tough situation with what's going on, but I think if Joe Ross doesn't throw in 2020, I don't think you can trust him immediately to contribute in 2021. So I think you're going to see the organization go in a direction where, you can't count on Joe Ross being a part of your plans. The Locked On Nationals podcast would like to thank Built Bar for their support. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you sports performance bar in the game today. Right now, if you go to builtbar.com and you use the code Locked On, you'll get $10 off on your first order. Built Bar is good for pre workout, post workout. They've got 16 flavors, all chocolate. Eight without nut, eight with nut, so there's something for everybody. I like the chocolate mousse flavor as well as the mint chocolate chip flavor. My dad loves the peanut butter chocolate flavor, so some good variety there. Also, they have their Built Boosts, which are uh, mixes for sports performance drinks. Their black cherry lemonade is to die for. Really good. Gets you a good pick-me-up. Plenty of vitamins and minerals in those as well. Once again, go to BuiltBar.com and use the code LOCKEDON for $10 off on your first order. Tonight's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible 
rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Yeah, this is from Dan Kolko, who everybody knows, I mean, very plugged in with the Nationals on Masson. I'm sure Joe Ross will make known his reasons for opting out of this season. I respect them, whatever they may be, and I haven't spoken to Joe. But I wonder if he slash other pitchers who have had Tommy John are concerned about returning when their throwing program is out of whack. Now, I, what I would say about this is um, he's back from Tommy John. So, I mean, I feel like he's kind of already got the, the requisite experience back, right? Like, like it's not it, – like, it feels like he's kind of gotten himself uh, – he's a bit removed. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I'll say about Joe Ross, though, is you see him how he throws as a reliever compared to as a starter when he's not on that that same plan every five days. I mean, he he, he struggles. It's it's almost like it's two completely different pitchers, and he's only kind of a two pitch guy. So you would think that maybe he'd have more success as a reliever, but with him, it's been the complete opposite. The situation with him to it, to me, it's hard to even he obviously has his reasons and right. they may make complete sense. Once he, once he explains them, if he, if he chooses to, I'm sure he probably will at some point. Um, I think it may clear things up a lot. Just looking at it from the outside, it's, it's kind of hard yeah. to wrap your mind around because you just, you really feel like he's taking a professional hit by not yeah. participating in this year. Like I, it seems like this was a huge year for Joe Ross and he's choosing. Well, to I mean, the only was, way it feels like he could get that fifth spot is if, and this is completely possible, but if things went so far South and like, it's kind of almost like the third base situation, which we think is going to get cleared up, but you'd basically need, need Fetty and both to just completely like kind of tailspin to the point where neither guy is able to grab that fifth job. Right. And I mean, we're at a place in the 2021 offseason where we're or the 2020 offseason moving into 2021 where we're saying well Joe Ross still has a shot at and and like you said they got other guys you know behind them I mean guys like you know Seth Romero I mean not too far away I mean obviously his his growth is going to be stunted but like this is not a job that I and we talked about some of the other young arms the Nationals have too you know kind of there's there's going to be guys who are gunning for this spot and once again we'll hear Joe's reasons but professionally, in terms of the Nationals, it makes you feel like maybe his future is in a different organization. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way just because, I mean, not even – got Seth Romero, you have Jackson Rutledge. There's other guys that are coming up, and, and these guys are going to potentially use this year to develop as they're part of the 60-man group. So they, they could certainly progress and could crack the major leagues at some point, maybe even this year, maybe next year. But with the guys you see that are currently fighting for those spots and fighting for a job on the major league roster I mean, it, not being there puts you behind the eight ball you know no, no matter how good of a reason he has whatever it is right. he is going to be behind guys like both fetty whoever else is there so and then when you come into 2021 i mean now at that point you have no clue what you're getting out of joe ross right and, and he is i mean i think at that point it's good to have him as an option i think that he's had some some successful po- points in his career so 
you know, if you get, if you get good Joe Ross, then maybe he comes back and earns that job, but it's just going to be, it's going to be a lot harder coming off of a year that he wasn't out there for. All right. So let's, let's go back to Zimmerman now. Um, and, and let's talk about the on-field impact. Uh, obviously, like the locker room thing is, I mean, they've got a lot of old dudes. They've got a lot of experienced guys. And I don't mean they're disparaging. They've got a lot of experienced guys. He obviously is a heart and soul just because of what he means to the Nationals and just with his longstanding, um, his longstanding with, with the Nationals. So on the field, and they're going to have to replace his voice in the locker room. But I think some, I think some, I mean, if there's any team that's more equipped to handle the locker room stuff, it's obviously the Nats. On the field, Connor. He's obviously a candidate for um, to get some of those DH reps. I mean, he needs to take a day off, right? I mean, that was a guy that, that you could see there. Going to play a lot of first base, but so what happens now? Uh, I mean, a heavy dose of Eric Thames at first, mixing some Howie. What what do you see? Um, what do you think is the calculus now that changes at D, changes at DH and at first base with now Zimmerman gone? Yeah, I, I think right now the way you look at the roster, you see you see Howie Kendrick and Eric Thames kind of making up those first first base DH at bats with as Drupal Cabrera involved too. Cabrera is probably more of the the all-around utility guy where he maybe he could DH, maybe he plays first, maybe he plays second, maybe he plays third. I mean he could he could be a guy who helps you out in a lot of different spots without being the everyday guy in one position. So I think Cabrera is certainly someone you throw in there. Um, and then you think of Kendrick and Thames as those everyday those everyday first base and and um dh dh guys but the thing to me that gets interesting is when there's a left-handed starting pitcher you know you'd think that would be where zimmerman's in there Tames probably isn't in there um so you're gonna have to replace that and that's where i think maybe the nats i think the nats probably are gonna make a roster move here i'd assume bring somebody out from the outside do you bring in yasiel puig and and maybe throw him at dh against lefties I think that could be something that that's helpful. Do you go out and you, you trade for someone like Daniel Murphy and try and bring him back? I mean, somebody like that, that's another, another hitter that can maybe fill that void. I think maybe Puig or someone to that effect that's a right-handed hitter would probably fill the offensive void the most similarly to Zimmerman. So that'd probably be something that I'd be interested in doing, whether it's him or someone else, someone else out there on the market. I mean, we talked about this with third base, and obviously the timetable for third base is, is much shorter now. But do you think that there is a, a, a likely chance that, you know, if they'll see how things go to start off the season, and if things aren't going well at all at first, they're going to – they'll definitely make a move. They'll, they'll try to, to make something happen. Or do you think they could just, you know, ride it out and, and, and kind of, you know – so are we talking about are we talking about riding out third base? Or? Yeah, the first base, first base. I'm first just saying, base. much like a third base conversation, you know, we talked a while ago about them maybe making a move if things weren't working out at third. At first, now, do you, you see them a bit more urgency going after a bat now? I don't know if I don't know if you need a bat specifically for first base as much as you maybe just need another bat somewhere. Okay. I think that at first base you have guys that can. I think Thames and Kendrick can hold up there, especially offensively. Like you can put those guys at first base and you can feel comfortable about what they're going to do for you as a hitter. Defensively, it may be another question. I think that right. you don't necessarily feel great. You'd rather have both of them playing DH, but it's at this point, it may be hard to find that a perfect first base everyday option to, you know, when you think of both sides of the coin, offense and defense, basically now you come into this year without Anthony Rendon out of the three hole. And then now you also, 
miss Ryan Zimmerman. So you're down two power hitting right-handers that you can count on when they're out there, which, I mean, that, that takes a hit. I still think that, I think the offense can still be pretty good, but I mean, they, you're losing depth when it's, you haven't even gotten to camp yet. And, you, and both those guys aren't going to be walking through that door. A um, couple of last things to touch on it. And look, these are, these are not going to be the last guys. I mean, we hope for the, for the national sake, these are the last guys that we're talking about who sit out the season. Um, I know Sean Doolittle was somebody that was considering it, right? I mean, it's somebody that you got to think might, you know, might end up sitting. We don't, once again, we have no idea yet. This is just a name that I saw floating around. Um, with yeah, the I think he that, may have a family member with, that would be higher risk or something right. I think I saw, but who, who knows as to whether he'll play or not. Uh, I know listening to, to Buster only speak today and I, I mean, I, I mean, I was actually talking to Ash Walker about how, you know, the baseball writers collectively, they really did take a hit during all of this MLB, MLBPA um, kerfuffle because the reporting at times was not good. And it felt like we were getting a lot of mixed messages from a lot of people. And I think the sourcing on them was trying to feed them some, some you know, different kind of information to put pressure on the other. That's besides the point. I trust Buster only. I know Connor, I know, Connor, I know you do too. Um, hearing some noise that the players, he is, that the players are not particularly pleased with the health and safety. I forget, I saw a team today that said, oh, it was a Mets. Uh, Bernie Van Wagenen said, I, um, I believe he said that they trust the players when they're at home or around uh, to, to make the right decisions. This brings up something you and I talked about last week with the, uh, you know, we're not sure how some of these sports are going to get played without quarantine. My, look, my optimism, and my optimism wavers daily, but on this day in particular, my optimism about how well the season could go and us seeing completion is a bit lower. And also my appetite for them to squeeze in, like traveling and stuff like that, just got higher. Like when the, when the Nats go north, get that crap out of the way. Like get, get out Toronto, get Boston, get New York, get those series on the road out of the way so they're safe. They can only have to travel one time. We're not going back and forth like crazy, too. Yeah, well, maybe that's why there's 60 different players in the pool to choose from for the 30 spots to 27 to 26 or however they're going to shrink it down. I mean, if they want to play a season, they're able to get through a season because there's so many guys available on every team. I mean, there's so many. Like, maybe your team takes a big hit because a large portion of it is maybe a little careless and catch corona. I mean, that's – certainly possible i mean it's not a bubble situation like it is in the nba yeah. so i it'll be it'll be interesting hopefully hopefully there it goes off without problems i mean that's what everybody's rooting for but you know i it seems like when you see people going back across sports there's actually like a lot more people that have the virus than you would anticipate having the virus yeah like, which i guess shows you how prevalent it is and has been all around america maybe more than people would have would have considered but I I think that if there's like a real commitment to play like they're gonna be there's gonna be fine there's gonna be positive tests people are gonna have to quarantine like that, that part of it's just inevitable it's gonna happen I think across every sport well it's weird because some of the it's like Deanna Jordan tested positive today and said he's just not gonna rejoin the team which I found was uh, the Nets which I found was odd um I don't know if the NBA is saying if you test positive you can't rejoin but I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the rule. I, I right, mean, like, right. So I, it was kind of a weird thing to see that he's that he's doing. But a lot of guys are dropping out. I don't think. I mean, this is where the Nats being older does hurt them. I don't think you and I are done talking about players not playing the rest of the season. When, at least when it comes to Nationals. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- I, yeah, I mean, maybe not. I, 
I, I think a lot of it may, may be that where a lot of the Nationals players are at their the point in their career, it's at a point where they don't – a lot of them probably don't feel the, the need or pressure to be out there. I mean, there's a lot of older guys with, with families, and that kind of changes your priorities a little bit. If you're, if you're my age, you're 23 – if you're 23 and you're not married with kids, then there's really not a reason for you to not be out there. You don't feel like you're really giving anything up to not play. But I mean, for a lot of guys that have other people to take into account, they're going to make a different decision because they have, they have other priorities that are more pressing for them than just the 2020 baseball season. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, and we, we hope you know, everybody's able to stay healthy out there and um, hope things get better. Yeah, not a, not a fun conversation, obviously, to have today, but one that you know that was that was worth having. Um, last thought for you on the scheduling stuff: Do you believe like like what the idea I just floated? Oh, by the way, first thing, credit to you. You called it last week. Take your victory lap. You called Yankees Nats on a Thursday night. Yeah, like, Rob you know, Manfred. Night. Rob, Rob Manfred, Manfred wanted to break that news, but I mean, did John Hammond shout me out on breaking out breaking with game one? Was it breaking news first? first reported by Connor Jones on the Locked On podcast? On oh, the Locked On National Or did we podcast. not get that? I, I don't think was, we got that accreditation. That's a, that's, that's a shame. But yeah. That's tough to so see. So did but. you just think that as an idea? Or were you seeing rumblings about that? or what? No, I actually wasn't seeing rumblings. I was, I was just guessing as to what matchup I thought seemed the most interesting to baseball fans across, across just the sport generally. What are they going to want to see? And I would think the when you can combine maybe the two best pitchers in the sport – Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole on the mound with Garrett Cole making his debut with the most prominent franchise in the sport, the New York Yankees, plus a matchup, a World Series rematch of Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. It was just, there's so much there that I feel like, I feel like that made it, that just, I feel like it was all set up as that's your perfect opening matchup to restart the season. I'm fired the heck up for that one. I really am. I'm really fired up for that. Um, all right, Connor, we appreciate your time tonight. I'm sure we'll have you on soon. Sad about Zim and, uh, and Joe Ross, shoeless Joe Ross, obviously, but uh, it's, a, it's a tough scene there. Um, make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these wonderful things, part of the Locked On podcast now.